Hello, good evening. It's Ioni Montbatten checking in again. Um, it's uh, Tuesday, which is the 8th of September. September is my birthday month, according to some people's recollection. Um, I think my real birthday was in January in 57. Uh, I was born in Ireland. My mother... Uh, was an unwed mother, and uh, she went to go to Ireland to have me. And I was born there, and then I was given to a family in Lancashire, where I lived until I was 12. And then my life became rather hellbound. Well, I've decided I'm going to, to read again from my book on days like this. So we're now on chapter 11. So let's Sit back and relax. Chapter 11 on days like this. Friday came. Mary was her usual efficient self in the lab. Their equipment was at a place where they could put it aside, let it sit in the cold room for the weekend. The cold room was standard for many laboratories. People kept many instruments there for protein purification, nucleic acid blots, and reagents that were too big for a refrigerator. And it was very cold and had a fail-safe fail lock so nobody could ever be locked inside it. Mary did not see Tom much that day. He was in the clinic, they said. It was part of his job as a postdoctoral fellow who had an appointment at the hospital as well as at the base for the school where he was working on his project with the team. But Mary was mostly nervous about going to this party that Melody had that night. Mary hated the dark and she hated driving in it. Her whole life was a growing woman, as a growing woman, was to make sure her parents had no problems with her as she matured and had her own friends. She only remembered once that she went home after dark from a birthday party. It wasn't that bad because the party was close enough to their place. But here, at New Haven, where she had no familiarity with the streets, Mary was growing more nervous as the day progressed. She went home at five o'clock and went straight to get something to snack on. Mary thought it would calm her nerves. Her clothes were going to be the same, at least. She felt that this was merely a party that would have some informed, informal, I'm sorry, or casual wear. Mary's outfit at work was her blouse and skirt and her shoes were more formal. She felt that looking professional at work was a good thing. She knew that the work techs wore a lot of ordinary wear, like Karen wore jeans and running shoes all the time. Melody wore these sandals that looked expensive and yet they were somehow unique in design. Melody wore skirts that were long and she had a way of looking as though she had a mystique to her. The long Wavy brown hair, the thick eyebrows, the half-smile she seemed to always have on her face. Sometimes she would be nice to Mary, but she had a way of looking off into the distance as she navigated the path she took from the lab to the cold room, holding a test tube or something else that she was working on. Mary wondered why Melody would ask her to a party, but she thought she was being nice. As Mary decided to get to her car again, she saw that the night was gathering and her heart became somewhat rhythmic in its beating. She found herself going on the main street of Whitney Avenue 
Her remembrance of Melody's apartment was somewhat fuzzy, but she found a street and then parked somewhere on it. Mary got out of her car, locked it twice, and then gathered her wits about her. Melody's apartment was large and had a window that overlooked the street. The lights inside were bright. Mary thought it was going to be a cheery place with lots of happy guests interested in getting to know her. When she got to the door, it was open. She knocked anyway, then she entered. She saw a narrow hall where the floors were all made with hardwood. There was a large area where she surmised that would be where the gusts would be. Another place somewhere nearby was a table with some hors d'oeuvres, but she saw nobody in the apartment. In the hall she passed and noticed a few doors, where she thought the roommates Melody might have had their rooms. She tried to knock on one of the doors. The door opened and Melody was inside and said, Hi, Mary. Melody stared at Melody. Melody was in a bathrobe, not the sort that women wear, but a white terry bathrobe that enveloped her. Oh, you're still in the bathroom, Mary said in an apologetic way. No problem, it's not too bad yet. Why don't you go out and just get something to eat? I'll be out soon. Melody asked and dismissed Mary by turning to the mirror. Mary felt a bit lost, because she expected Melody to be all dressed in hostess clothes and ready to meet people, but the seeming lack of interest in getting ahead of the party was most disturbing to Mary. Even she would have had this whole thing planned so that she would never be called in a bathroom by a guest. It made Mary feel as though she was intruding in a personal routine that Melody allowed her to see. To Mary's surprise, when she got out to the hallway, the big room was crowded with guests. They were all white young teen or young adults, all talking to each other with a lot of excitement. Some were around where Mary was standing and she tried to join the conversation, but they didn't notice her at all. Mary stared at them all. She didn't know how all they all got there at the same time. It was only minutes since she got to talk to Melody. Her feeling of anxiety increased. It was probably not rude to leave. She didn't feel like she belonged to this group of people. Nobody came forward to talk to her, and nobody was eating the food. She decided to make her way out of the apartment and went straight to her car. In a rush, she put her car in gear and drove back to her apartment. She was breathing hard as though she was being pursued by a devil. And when she got to her house, she hurried out and shut her car door. Andrew Michael saw Mike Mary leave from the big window. He looked at her retreating back with a look that was pensive. Then he looked back at the party that was going on behind him. Out of the bathroom, Melody called out, Hey, I am ready for a fuck. Who has a boner? A cheer went up in the crowd. A shuffle of steps went past, and the door to the bedroom shut. Andrew looked down at his, at his glass, and then decided to pour the contents into a plant. Then he left. Mary rushed to her door, and the light of the door was out. It made her more unhappy, and she prayed to God to get, let her get inside as soon as she could. Her key fit to the lock, and then the door opened. Mary ran up to the attic where she lived and shut the door. It was an awful feeling that she had still cared with her. 
it made her very sad to think this was how life was like. Parties where she would not be welcome guest, and the odd thing of these guests who seemed to have appeared soon, as though all descended on that place together. She heard no cries of greeting, and Melody never emerged from the bathroom. Mary undressed quickly and slipped into her bed and put the covers over her shoulders. Her face was still. Then the phone rang. She knew it was her mother calling. Mary got out of bed and picked up the phone in the kitchen. Hello, Mary. How did it go? Her mother asked in a clear voice. Oh, it was a flop, Mom. A flop? Not a great party. Oh, that's too bad. At least you're home now. I am. I was already in bed. You sound tense. It was not a good place. I don't like driving at night. Parties are, well, I'm not a party animal. I felt like I was in a different place. The guests were all too engrossed with each their own friends. Nobody was interested in talking to me. This came all at a rush. Mary, you sound real upset. I think you need to calm down. Yes, I am upset. Well, you haven't eaten, have you? I'm not interested in eating. I'd rather sleep now, Mom. Rebecca paused on the other line. I think you need to say a prayer, too. I pray you'd be okay there. I wish we lived closer to you. Mary said nothing. Her eyes were filling with tears. Yes, she mumbled. Well, I'll have to tell your dad you're home, Rebecca sighed. Okay, Mom, I'll talk to you soon. Mary said and then hung up. Angie was listening on the other phone as Rebecca called, talked to her their daughter. His eyes, narrow already, became even narrower. This was making him suspicious. She's not good there, Angie said finally as they hung up. Rebecca said nothing. What about if we went there this weekend? I'm going to take the rest of the week next week off. If you want to. Rebecca's heart was also feeling heavy. Angie, what have you done? I don't like how this is affecting Mary. It's a party. Why is she sounding so scared? I don't know, Angie replied, and decided to get up to make himself a nightcap. I'm going to have to tell some people about something. Okay, make me a nightcap as well, please. And she said nothing as he disappeared out of the living room. The night went on in Mertonville, but the phone lines between Scott's house and Nagoya were alive. Angie spoke to a man in Japanese. They said a few words, but the effect was dramatic. Angie said something that was an emphatic word, and then he hung up. Then he settled down to his desk and wrote on a piece of stationery. He wrote a letter to his job, giving his resignation. That's the end of chapter 11. I hope you enjoyed it. I think that the, the story is beginning to come around and find attention. I hope that you enjoyed everything, and I hope that you have a good evening. Have a good evening. Bye. Hello, good evening. It's Ioni Mountbatten checking in again. 
Um, it's uh, Tuesday, which is the 8th of September. September is my birthday month, according to some people's recollection. Um, I think my real birthday was in January in 57. Uh, I was born in Ireland. My mother uh, was an unwed mother, and uh, she went to go to Ireland to have me. And I was born there, and then I was given to a family in Lancashire, where I lived until I was 12. And then my life became rather hellbound. Well, I've decided I'm going to, to read again from my book on days like this. So we're now on chapter 11. So let's sit back and relax. Chapter 11 on days like this. Friday came. Mary was her usual efficient self in the lab. Their equipment was at a place where they could put it aside, let it sit in the cold room for the weekend. The cold room was standard for many laboratories. People kept many instruments there for protein purification, nucleic acid blots, and reagents that were too big for a refrigerator. And it was very cold and had a fail-safe lock so nobody could ever be locked inside it. Mary did not see Tom much that day. He was in the clinic, they said. It was part of his job as a postdoctoral fellow who had an appointment at the hospital as well as at the place for the school where he was working on his project with the team. But Mary was mostly nervous about going to this party that Melody had that night. Mary hated the dark and she hated driving in it. Her whole life was a growing woman, as a growing woman, was to make sure her parents had no problems with her as she matured and had her own friends. She only remembered once that she went home after dark from a birthday party. It wasn't that bad because the party was close enough to their place. But here, at New Haven, where she had no familiarity with the streets, Mary was growing more nervous as the day progressed. She went home at five o'clock and went straight to get something to snack on. Mary thought it would calm her nerves. Her clothes were going to be the same, at least. She felt that this was merely a party that would have some informed, informal, I'm sorry, or casual wear. Mary's outfit at work was a blouse and skirt, and her shoes were more formal. She felt that looking professional at work was a good thing. She knew that the work text wore a lot of ordinary wear, like Karen wore jeans and running shoes all the time. Melody wore these sandals that looked expensive, and yet they were somehow unique in design. Melody wore skirts that were long, and she had a way of looking as though she had a mystique to her. The long, wavy brown hair, the thick eyebrows, the half-smile she seemed to always have on her face. Sometimes she would be nice to Mary, but she had a way of looking off into the distance as she navigated the path she took from the lab to the cold room, holding a test tube or something else that she was working on. Mary wondered why Melody would ask her to a party, but she thought she was being nice. As Mary decided to get to her car again, she saw that the night was gathering, and her heart became somewhat rhythmic in its beating. She found herself going on the main street of Whitney Avenue, 
Her remembrance of Melody's apartment was somewhat fuzzy, but she found a street and then parked somewhere on it. Mary got out of her car, locked it twice, and then gathered her wits about her. Melody's apartment was large and had a window that overlooked the street. The lights inside were bright. Mary thought it was going to be a cheery place with lots of happy guests interested in getting to know her. When she caught to the door, it was open. She knocked anyway, then she entered. She saw a narrow hall where the floors were all made with hardwood. There was a large area where she surmised that would be where the gusts would be. Another place somewhere nearby was a table with some hors d'oeuvres, but she saw nobody in the apartment. In the hall she passed and noticed a few doors, where she thought the roommates Melody might have had their rooms. She tried to knock on one of the doors. The door opened and Melody was inside and said, Hi, Mary. Melody stared at Melody. Melody was in a bathrobe, not the sort that women wear, but a white terry bathrobe that enveloped her. Oh, you're still in the bathroom, Mary said in an apologetic way. No problem, it's not too bad yet. Why don't you go out and just get something to eat? I'll be out soon. Melody asked and dismissed Mary by turning to the mirror. Mary felt a bit lost, because she expected Melody to be all dressed in hostess clothes and ready to meet people, but the seeming lack of interest in getting ahead of the party was most disturbing to Mary. Even she would have had this whole thing planned so that she would never be called in a bathroom by a guest. It made Mary feel as though she was intruding in a personal routine that Melody allowed her to see. To Mary's surprise, when she got out to the hallway, the big room was crowded with guests. They were all white young teen or young adults, all talking to each other with a lot of excitement. Some were around where Mary was standing and she tried to join the conversation, but they didn't notice her at all. Mary stared at them all. She didn't know how all they all got there at the same time. It was only minutes since she got to talk to Melody. Her feeling of anxiety increased. It was probably not rude to leave. She didn't feel like she belonged to this group of people. Nobody came forward to talk to her, and nobody was eating the food. She decided to make her way out of the apartment and went straight to her car. In a rush, she put her car in gear and drove back to her apartment. She was breathing hard as though she was being pursued by a devil. And when she got to her house, she hurried out and shut her car door. Andrew Michael saw Mike Mary leave from the big window. He looked at her retreating back with a look that was pensive. Then he looked back at the party that was going on behind him. Out of the bathroom, Melody called out, Hey, I am ready for a fuck. Who has a boner? A cheer went up in the crowd. A shuffle of steps went past, and the door to the bedroom shut. Andrew looked down on his, at his glass, and then decided to pour the contents into a plant. Then he left. Mary rushed to her door, and the light of the door was out. It made her more unhappy, and she prayed to God to get, let her get inside as soon as she could. Her key fit to the lock, and then the door opened. Mary ran up to the attic where she lived and shut the door. It was an awful feeling that she had still carried with her. 
it made her very sad to think this was how life was like. Parties where she would not be welcome guest, and the odd thing of these guests who seemed to have appeared soon, as though all descended on that place together. She heard no cries of greeting, and Melody never emerged from the bathroom. Mary undressed quickly and slipped into her bed and put the covers over her shoulders. Her face was still. Then the phone rang. She knew it was her mother calling. Mary got out of bed and picked up the phone in the kitchen. Hello, Mary. How did it go? Her mother asked in a clear voice. Oh, it was a flop, Mom. A flop? Not a great party. Oh, that's too bad. At least you're home now. I am. I was already in bed. You sound tense. It was not a good place. I don't like driving at night. Parties are, well, I'm not a party animal. I felt like I was in a different place. The guests were all too engrossed with each their own friends. Nobody was interested in talking to me. This came all at a rush. Mary, you sound real upset. I think you need to calm down. Yes, I am upset. Well, you haven't eaten, have you? I'm not interested in eating. I'd rather sleep now, Mom. Rebecca paused on the other line. I think you need to say a prayer, too. I pray you would be okay there. I wish we lived closer to you. Mary said nothing. Her eyes were filling with tears. Yes, she mumbled. Well, I'll have to tell your dad you're home, Rebecca sighed. Okay, Mom, I'll talk to you soon, Mary said and then hung up. Angie was listening on the other phone as Rebecca talked to her their daughter. His eyes, narrow already, became even narrower. This was making him suspicious. She's not good there, Angie said finally as they hung up. Rebecca said nothing. What about if we went there this weekend? I'm going to take the rest of the week next week off. If you want to. Rebecca's heart was also feeling heavy. Angie, what have you done? I don't like how this is affecting Mary. It's a party. Why is she sounding so scared? I don't know, Angie replied, and decided to get up to make himself a nightcap. I'm going to have to tell some people about something. Okay, make me a nightcap as well, please. Angie said nothing as he disappeared out of the living room. The night went on in Mertonville, but the phone lines between Scott's house and Nagoya were alive. Angie spoke to a man in Japanese. They said a few words, but the effect was dramatic. Angie said something that was an emphatic word, and then he hung up. Then he settled down to his desk and wrote on a piece of stationery. He wrote a letter to his job, giving his resignation. That's the end of chapter 11. I hope you enjoyed it. I think that the, the story is beginning to come around and find attention. I hope that you enjoyed everything, and I hope that you have a good evening. Have a good evening. Bye. Hi, good evening. It's Ioni Mountbatten. I'm calling from West Lafayette, Indiana. 
and uh, it's in Indiana, United States of America. Um, I had recorded a previous podcast just about a few minutes ago, and I was reading from my book on days like this, but for some reason it failed to uh, get published. So I'm going to have to um, think about how uh, to do it again. Sometimes my my iPod, uh, not the iPod, the phone I have, uh, has a few gremlins in it and causes a freeze of some sort. So I hope that uh, next time I get a podcast going after this, uh, we'll have some... Uh, some progress in reading this book. I was hoping to um, revive the interest in the book, as some people seem to be interested in it. Um, But for today, I just wanted to give you a recap of what's happened. Um, I ordered an apron some time back because I... uh, like to putter around in the kitchen and I like to make bread and recipes and uh, cook up different meals to enjoy it with Colin and uh, and share it with my pups as well and stuff um, let me see what else it rained a bit last night but today it seemed to have fair weather we were going to be getting colder weather as the days go on, go on in September. September is my birth month, according to some records, but my belief is that I was born in January 11th of 1957, and I was born in Ireland. My mother, Maggie Smith, had me after she had an affair with Prince Philip, and uh, after that, I was taken to a home in Lancashire, England, where I was raised until I was about 12. And then after I was 12, I was kidnapped and taken somewhere, 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 somewhere. Not quite sure where, but I was given a debriefing of some sort by MI5 and made to um, think that I was actually a Filipino person who were born and raised in the Philippines. That's not quite true. Uh, I was therefore spirited away and got to the States and uh, started my life as the daughter, a stepdaughter of uh, two step parents. So, um, My only recollection of my early years in Lancashire are my love for shepherd's pie and crocheting and knitting and some sewing. I enjoy sewing very much and I'm making a project with dishcloths and hope that I can include a little bit of crocheting to go with it as a sort of an embellishment. It would be very nice to have it It would be really good for, uh, well, it may not even be a dishcloth after all. It would be a doily of some sort, uh, a mix of fabric and yarn.
I think that that might be even better than a regular old uh, dishcloth. I'm working on several things in my business. I've joined Mary Kay Cosmetics and Norwex. Uh, Norwex is a company that's out of Norway and it's an international business working on cleaning materials, tools, dishcloths, and uh, wiping cloths. And I'm also working with 31 Gifts where I'm selling uh, accessories for the home, for the school, for the office, and also tote bags and regular purses and some small bits of table and desk accessories. And I also am working with LuLaRoe, where I'm selling clothes. And you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle on Twitter is at Mary. And I'm also on Facebook. Several of my pages are on Facebook. So that means, so that that's uh, what I'm doing. And I'm doing my best to learn as much as I can about selling these things and doing a good job and hopefully uh, earn some money. Uh, I, as you might know, I have a fixed income. I'm 63 years old. And uh, so the social security checks don't quite reach to the next month. So it's a bit of a struggle, but we're enjoying and uh, we're doing our best, and I'm doing my best as I can doing this work and uh, living this life. I wouldn't mind finding my way back to England, and I hope that everyone out there who's in England or anyone else uh, who's listening would think about how best to help me, if only to buy my books and... Uh, talk about me with somebody else. I hope everyone has a good evening. Have a good evening. Bye-bye.